Welcome to A Matter of Music. I'm Don Wisner Johnson. And I'm Beth Wisner Jansen. And we're here to provide ideas, tools, and education to help you navigate this crazy business of music. So today we're going to talk about contracts and mostly contract terms and what they mean. Um, but if you're watching this and you like this video, please uh, subscribe and hit like down there for us. That helps us out. I know everybody always says that in their podcasts and on YouTube, but it really does help us out a lot and we appreciate it. Yes. So, okay, let's get started with recording contracts. We're just going to go over some terms and some of these terms are going to work for different kinds of contracts, uh, recording contracts, sync contracts, publishing deals. So as we go through these terms, um, just we're, we're going to kind of break out and explain how they might differ in these different kinds of contracts. So um, each situation can be different and basically what when we are and we are not attorneys, just let's get that out there. We are not attorneys. We go over a lot of contracts. I collect them. If anybody wants to email me some contracts that you're allowed to send, I collect them. So um, we uh, mostly when we look at contracts, if somebody asks us to look over a contract for them before they go to an attorney, which is always a good idea, you can get a family member who knows what they're doing, somebody in business, so they can at least explain some of the terms to you. You can get uh, somebody like us who's, who are consultants and you can pay us a little bit to look over the contract before you hit an attorney, if you need to hit an attorney. Um, that way we can kind of point out a few things that you can address with the attorney instead of having uh, him kind of go through the whole thing. It might save you a little bit of money. So we do that as well. As we're doing that for people, we tend, or I tend to focus on, uh-oh, what should you avoid? And, oh, that scares me. Those are the things that kind of um, I'm looking for when I'm looking for contracts, things that might... Uh, you know, catch you in a situation 10 years down the road that you don't want to be in. So we'll point out some of those situations we've come across. And so here we go, recording contract terms. So the first one is term, term of term. Okay. So when they say term, they're meaning the length, the period of time. Um, in the recording contract, you're going to see usually a period of time in addition to having a number of recordings. So a typical contract um, might say five years. It might say three to five years. Usually it's going to have a specific time on it. So if it says five years, it will probably have with it a certain number of recordings that are uh, required by you, like LPs, long play records, 10, rec 10 songs or more. Does and it say that? It does say that in that first paragraph usually? Um, no, not always. Okay. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. The term of the contract sometimes will say five years and within that, you have to give them three, you know, because uh, the first section is going to be terms, and then we're going to go into options. So the term might say five years, and then you're required within that five years to give them three records, three full-length LPs. Um, and so, you know, sometimes those you'll get done after three years, and there might be language in there that says after, you know, the a certain length of time after you give them the last uh, fulfill your last contractual obligation as far as the content you might be able to get out early but it'll probably say like 12 months after because what they don't want they don't want you to sign a recording deal for five years record three albums one two three third year you record an album you give it to them and then you're gone they want you to be able to tour to promote make videos so they still want you in the contract in order to promote 
the content. Mm -hmm. So with it, after that term, you're going to often see something called an option. So an option is um, usually based on the, the record company's um, choice. It's usually not yours. It's usually theirs. And it goes one way most of the time. An option to, to extend the period. So they might have an option for two to four more options. So they could have an option for additional record and an additional year. And they might have two of those options or four of those options. So if you have a five-year contract with three options for a year, it might end up being an eight-year contract. Don't ignore. Are those options usually all in their favor or in the termination clauses? Is there a way for you to get out of those? Do you know? That's what I'm saying is usually the record company, it's going to be at their discretion. Right. Right. Usually it's not if you want to sign another year. It depends. It's in there so that it doesn't, the record company doesn't have a really long contract, but if they do really well, they don't want a band they poured a bunch of money into who now is at, at having a great amount of success at third album, jump to another. Hmm. There's, there are ways and there are lawyers that will try to renegotiate those terms if that happens. That happens yeah. all the time. It's kind of like football players, you know, they renegotiate while they're still in their contract if they're doing really well, because mm -hmm. they can, you can get pissy, you know, you can do things, but that's in some of these contracts too. Don't get too pissy. Because <laughs> <laughs> there are, there are also sometimes clauses that tell you how you can and cannot behave when oh, you're, uh, yeah, when you're basically employed by this contract. So, I see. okay. So the next term is, is kind of a uh, basic musical composition. That's the song written by the artist. Uh, many recording contracts will require that the record company get the own the publishing. They take the publishing rights within the contract. That's kind of a, a old practice. I don't know if that's just across the board. That's the way it just basically used to be. And I think things might have started changing. Um, it it does depend on if you have co-writes co-writers and things. Those you know if you are in a contract and you write with a friend who's not in your band, say it's a band, and you write a song with a friend who's not in your band, that will have to be figured out and negotiated with um, the record company as far as how much money people are getting paid and the publishing on that. Sometimes they might want to try to push for that publishing, but probably not going to get it, I don't think. And also, I think, I mean, I definitely know in publishing deals, it's this way. I'm not as familiar with recording artists per se, but um, I think they're also more used to giving a little bit of the publishing to an artist or a songwriter, songwriter. Um, however, they would control that publishing. Right. So if you end up meaning giving, you want to say, yeah, right. If you ahead. end up giving like 50% of the publishing to the record company. So you sign a recording deal, you're the artist. That's one thing that you are. You might be also the songwriter. If you're the songwriter and they want half of the publishing, you're going to own your own songwriting um, royalties and, and um, mechanicals and things for that. And then they will co-own the publishing with you, let's say. Let's say they split it with you 50-50. They can also put in terms that say, since we each own the same amount of publishing, who gets to decide how this song is used if it wants to be used in a movie usually in a recording contract they're going to want that power yeah they're they're very very rarely going to give that to an artist because of negotiation reasons um as beth just said if something's going to be in a movie 
they want to have the right to negotiate all of that for you. They are also, on that note, Beth, what I was referring to earlier, they're also going to own, they're going to, the publishing rights are all going to come to them and then they will report to you um, and pay you your 50%. Oh, you're talking about the actual money. Right. Yeah, that does. Yeah. yeah, we get into the weeds of that a little bit later on. And another reason, there's another reason for that, although with a record company, you <laughs> it's you don't always know that you're going to get all of your 50%, but however, at least you have the 50% of the publishing, um, mostly because of record keeping and people paying for publishing. It's just, and record companies have to deal with this, you know, the big, there's only three record companies left, basically. When you talk about a record company, as far as the big giant, you know, entity of a record company, I want a record deal. There's a lot of little companies out there. But if you're talking about a big record company, you're talking about UMG, uh, Warner Chapel, and Sony. Uh, UMG, U Universal Music Group, owned by some foreign entity, I believe. Tencent, just bought 10% of them. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, don't get me started on that. Okay, then Sony owns uh, a huge, they've uh, basically all these, uh, record companies have absorbed all these other little record companies. So, you know, you used to have A&M got bought up by somebody. You used to have, you know, Capitol Records bought up by somebody. So all of these companies have been, you know, bought up by other companies. Um, I think I read somewhere that, and this was a few years ago, like 70% of the American, the American songbook, meaning songs written by Americans up mm -hmm. till now, is owned by foreign entities because they own the publishing from the record companies so mm -hmm. um that publishing doesn't just you know it, it stays with the record company if you sign a recording deal you can there is a, a law that states after 35 years you can go back and um get your publishing back you can recoup it um you have to go through a process and make notification part of the problem of doing that is sometimes these things have been sold 15 times Publishing is like real estate. It's very, uh, it's very valuable. So publishing catalogs, they'll put them into catalogs and they'll sell them and they move around a lot, some of this stuff. So sometimes finding out where your music, you know, ends up, you should know because you should be getting royalty statements. <laughs> That's not necessarily how it always works. So, yeah. I, I'm just thinking off the top of my head how many people I, I, know who have sued the record company i'm just like bam 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 you know for yeah. their for their royalties royalties yeah yeah saying you're not paying us enough and then sometimes it goes the other way i think for toto it didn't turn out to be a happy ending because they sued i believe sony and then i think they might have ended up having to pay sony so wow. it's yeah it's not it's not an easy process um so just be very cautious when you're looking at these contracts they're going to smile at you. They're going to love you when you walk in the door, if they have something you want. That doesn't mean they're always out for your best interest. Not that they're all evil or anything, but they're in the music of business. And Beth is going the business over of music. I'm sorry. Yeah. Hmm? Beth is going over specifically a record contract, record basically contract. because that one has been around for a long time and all the terms right. are in there, but there's so many other contracts you can sign. A lot of these terms she's going over will apply to many of those publishing deals, you know, a lot of new deals that are coming up um, now in our industry. Um, so, but these terms, as you're saying, Beth, mo a lot of them are in, in these contracts as well. Right. So, so 
the musical composition is where we were. So the musical composition is going to have two parts to it. It's going to have the songwriters part and it's going to have, <clears throat> excuse me, it's going to have the publishing part. So it's going to have two sides. It's going to break off into two. Then you're also going to have the master recording. The master recording is after you go into the studio and record those musical compositions. Those, those musical compositions on your record might not all be written by you. So that master recording is going to be owned by whatever entity paid for it. The record company is going to own that if you're in a rec record recording contract. They're going to own that. And how they get paid back is you. You pay them back, basically. Um, so we'll, I think uh, my notes, I'm looking down here. Yeah, we'll get to that in just a minute on your mechanical royalties. You might think if you're signing a, rec a record deal that they're just going to give you a bunch of money and how great they're giving you a bunch of money. They're not giving you money. They're buying something from you. They're buying your publishing. They're buying the right to promote your band. They're advancing you money to record the record. Let me say that again. They are advancing you money to record the record. It's a loan. So when you think you're gonna get rich, just be, keep in mind that the master recording, uh, those costs come from the record company to whatever entities record it, and the advance goes against your future royalties. So the recording uh, costs are recoupable from royalty pays, payments to you. So whatever the record company does owe you in terms of mechanicals, in terms of artist royalties, in terms of publishing, they can recoup those based on how they write the contract and what they're, but they are going to get paid back. And they can add a lot of things on there. So you got to be careful. You know, you've, I don't know if you've ever heard the, the joke that, you know, I think Titanic made so much money, it might actually turn a profit because they, you know, Film companies are kind of the same as record companies. They can add a lot of stuff on there. I think that's more common in film than- Add a uh, lot of expenses. Expenses in there. Yeah. Expenses yeah. for this and expenses for that. And, you know, just make sure you are looking at your statements from, if you have a recording deal, make sure you're looking at your statements carefully and make sure you understand in advance what other things can be added to that are recoupable. Because if you make a video, say you want to, the record company is going to pay for you to go, shoot a video and put it wherever videos are now. I don't even know where you see videos because it's not MTV, right? <laughs> it was when I was 18, but YouTube. it's not now. YouTube. So they're going to make a video for you and you go, yay, thanks. No, no, you're paying for that. You're paying for that out of your future royalties. Now, if you, if you go with a record company and you flop and don't make a lot of money, you win. You know, you made a record. It didn't cost you a lot of money. It cost you your publishing or half of it. And the record company's out and maybe you have a video and you know, it's cool, but. I want to interject here. This is reminding me of one of our guests, our previous interview guest, Mike Rowe, when he talked about getting um, money, the record company gave them money for recording or gave them a portion of money. And instead of going to a studio, they bought recording equipment as a band. Figured out how to use it. Figured out how to use that money. And he said, even if he said that record didn't go very far, it didn't do much, but it got us a studio started and he became producer and they, you know, some of the guys in that band were producing other, other records and different things. So that was a very smart thing. And that, that was in the late seventies or early eighties. I, I don't even, 
I don't even know if many record companies would allow you to do that now. If I would do well, that if I Oh, they wouldn't. Would. Right. You, you know, they might want to sometimes there may be a companies. stipulation. Right. It depends on what it's written in the contract. Sometimes it's going to say, we're going to give you 50% up front and then pay the 50%. I think what he said is he might've negotiated because I remember when we were, or Krumbacher was in our, our contract, they just, they figured out where, where we were going to record. They They had over here. Right. They had a recording studio. So they had that. So Mike could have said to them, Hey, we've got an engineer in our band. We've got, you know, all of these guys, we, we would rather do it this way if, you know, so. Well, I, I don't imagine that it's not unheard of to be able to do that nowadays because you can right. buy so much good equipment and record, you know, right. build a little recording right. studio. It's so much easier than it would have been back in the 80s. So you know. just a tip for negotiating. If you're with a smaller label, mm-hmm. you know, that really might want you in there and you can negotiate on some of the things that might be something you might want to talk about. Just make so. sure you can deliver the quality. That's Very all right. true. Make Very sure true. you have friends that are recording engineers. <laughs> yes. And pay them well. Okay. So, yeah. So, just and know. Can I say a recording engineer isn't someone who just bought equipment and is going to start recording? <laughs> what do you mean? Talk about Chris Ryan. He's got, he's got, we just interviewed him and released that. He has a small studio. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean, and I'm sorry, Chris, but he would tell you this too. I'm not a producer, but. He's yeah, he learning is, but... and he's learning the trade and he has friends that have been producers for his for years. So he goes to them, he mentioned and asks them, Hey, how do I get this sound that you always get on my mic or whatever? So yes, but he is also, I... he has also been in the studio for the last 10, 12 years. Well, that's true. Yeah. So if you've never been in the recording studio and you think you're going to buy a bunch of equipment and record your album, you're going to spend a lot of time on YouTube figuring out how to do that. You can yeah. do that. Right. You can, that's, that's the age we live in, but just, you know, just be, be aware and make sure that the contract does not preclude that. Yes. Very true. (laughs) Okay. You know, I don't know if you want to go to your record company and say, we're spending the money on buying equipment, but you know, (laughs) yeah, you know, that's, that's, yeah, that's one of those things. I mean, you could try it and if you get away (laughs) with it, then you got stuff. So good for you, you know, because they're getting their stuff. I don't like record companies. Can you tell? Okay. So <laughs> used to work for one. Okay. So <clears throat> rights, um, rights mean to use your name, your like, your li- likeness. So your image, so your face, they want to be able to use who you are, your entity, your name, your face. Um, they might even now have some social media criteria in there. Um, it might require you to do certain things. So um, look out for those. That's what rights means. Okay, another, another thing that a record company uh, might give you is tour support. So um, probably not right now, considering that there are no tours and there's no place to go and sad that nobody can leave their house. Um, and we shall talk about, uh, again, what's the, the big promoter, Don? Live Nation. Live Nation. If you don't know about what Live Nation is doing, go check it out. We will do a podcast on that coming up. They uh, changed their terms and it's a little bit scary for tours coming out of uh, the situation we're in right now. The thing I do not say because I'll get dinged on YouTube. So um, tour support is also going to be an advance against your royalties probably. Anything that they do for you, you think you got a great record company, just understand it's an advance against your royalties. Now, 
if you're building a career and you've got a three record deal, you want to be, you know, you're not going to make money on the first one. You're not going to probably make a lot of money on the second one. You're hoping to build up. Now those royalties are going to be recoupable probably across all of the records you make. So if you're just, like I said, if you're just gaining traction at the end of your third one, third record, and you think you're out of your contract and you still owe them money and they think you're on the cusp of making it, they might, um, one of those, uh, one of those options, thank you, Don. One of those yeah. options might kick in. And then, you know, so they're going to weigh it and decide, we've already put this much money in. Do you think we can get some more money out if we put a little more in? So that's kind of how that works. Um, anything else in here, Don, that you want to talk about? Those are kind of different things. I think with the rights, um, if you have a publishing deal, you're not really going to have to deal with that as far as them using your likeness or your name. Um, just your name for, you know, on the writer's side. But if you have, um, if you have a sync placement, I don't know that that ever really comes in, does it? Uh, for likeness and no, not a, only if it's a very big, big, big band. one. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> if for, so for some of these bands, it, it could, you know, come right. into, if there's a sync for a commercial, different things like that, they're going to have the right to use to the ask, name of the band, use the name of the band to maybe put something in there. You, you know, you've seen some ads and things who've used up and coming bands and they want to yeah. highlight that. So there's one example. Um, also, even, even for sync, you know, with some TV shows sometimes, yeah, they are, they are utilizing that name. So those right. would be where that might come into play. Yeah. So just depending on what the contract <clears throat> is for, um, you know, you might run into that. Mostly that's going to be if you're signed to a long-term deal for something like a record contract is really when that's going to come into play. Yeah. Okay. Then you're going to look out for something in a record contract called royalty schedule. And that's how much they pay you per sale and how that is calculated. So this is the sale of the actual recording um, of the, you know, the actual physical record. Um, so look for things in there because, okay, so there's a standard rate for royalties. Um, there's mechanical royalties and then there's a standard rate for uh, physical stuff. Physical right? product, right. Is it, or is it not just product? It's the mechanical royalties are, are attached to the product. So okay, okay. when it's sold as the product. So the gotcha. royalty schedule is going to lay out um, how much they're going to pay you as an artist, not the standard statutory mechanical rate, but how, they're, how much they're going to pay you as the recording artist, as the band or as the independent artist for the artist royalties. So be very careful when you're looking at these. Um, the, the big thing used to be, I remember in the 80s and 90s, you used to have these music clubs and each, you know, the rec different record companies would have them. And you could buy for a penny, you could buy 12 cassettes. That's how old I am. You could buy 12 cassettes for a penny. <laughs> and then you had to promise to buy, you know, like five or six more at regular price, which was more than the warehouse or, you know, mm. uh, for like six months or a year or something like that. Those uh, things that they sold through there were considered club or free or, or uh, discounted, they did not pay the artists anything for those. Those mm -hmm. were a promotional tool. So look out for things that talk about promotion, about club uh, clubs, about free bonus LPs, things like that. If the company is 
doing a lot of promotion with that, they're not going to pay you for those, um, for those, they're not sales really. Mm. It might be discounted sales. They're going to pay you very little for those. Okay. The next thing is the mechanical royalties. So the mechanical royalty Ooh. rate. I see what you've got here in your notes. <laughs> it's not a note. It's, it's a speech is what I have basically. <laughs> okay. Because I, um, yeah. So let me just start with mechanical royalties. It's and okay. then get into yeah. Beth going off on, on the industry. Okay. So <laughs> mechanical royalties are the, when you think mechanical, think something physical, tangible, something like that. So it's the, I'm going to sell a record with a composition on it. And that's a physical thing. So I have to pay to put that physical thing on that, you know, that composition on that physical thing when I sell it. So that's a standard uh, royalty. Those royalties, unfortunately, are determined by a judge in Washington, D.C. Three panel judge, I believe. There is a rate court. United States of America uses your taxes to have a rate court. It has been going on since 1909. So in 1909, they began with two cents. So if you wrote a song and it went on, you know, a phonograph, little big thick record, and they etched it in there, you got two pennies for every time they sold one of those. That went until 1977. No increase from 1909 to 1977. What was wrong with people? People don't seem to give a crap about songwriters. That's why I'm about to go off. Okay. okay. <clears throat> now, starting in 1977, songwriters and people started getting pissy, as they should have probably five, six decades earlier. Mm. And they started demanding, like, give us more money. So, rate court comes along. It increased by about a penny every two years until 2006. So 2006, it went up to 9.1 cents. Mm. Two years later, we have, what's the magic year? 2008. 2008, crash of the stock market. We can't possibly afford to pay more money. We're going to go bankrupt, says all the record companies. Boo-hooing. Mind you, there are now three record companies because they all got bought up. So whatever. That's not your problem as a songwriter. You're not there to support some guy driving a Mercedes Benz. Okay? But that's what you're doing. So... <laughs> Since 2006, the royalty, mechanical royalty rate of 9.1 cents has not increased. It is 2020, and it is still 9.1 cents. It has not increased in 14 years. And people are screaming bloody murder right now. So, Beth, what would these mechanical rates um, apply to now? I know a lot of people are still doing vinyl. Well, say you want to record, um, you want to record something and put it um, up on a, a site where people can buy it and download it. Right. That's 9.1 cents. So the mechanicals are now um, attached to downloads. Yes. Is what you're saying. Okay. Right. So if you buy a song on iTunes, mm -hmm. 9.1 cents goes yeah. to the songwriter or Got songwriters. It. it gets divided up. If the thing I'm going to talk about in a minute hasn't happened. They get 9.1 cents. That's the standard mechanical royalty rate. So if you write a song, you put it out on a record, and then somebody else records it, they go to, say, Harry Fox Agency. If they want to re-record a song, Harry Fox Agency, which is harryfox.com, has about 80% of 
the uh, song library, American Song Library. If you want to re-record a song and put it on a record, you can go to Harry Fox, make an account, and you can say, I want to record Human Nature by Bettis and Picaro. They wrote it. And you're going to pay them 9.1 cents per record or CD or download. Streaming is less. Streaming is a penny a piece for every time it's streamed if you do it that way. Okay. Now we're not talking streaming like on Spotify and uh, Sirius XM and Apple Music. That's a whole different type of streaming. But if you want to, if you want to go to Harry Fox as an independent artist and record a song, put it up on your website and allow people to stream it and listen to it, not download it, stream it. You can pay one cent plus the fee for Harry Fox, which is like 16 bucks. And you can buy, I think the minimum for streaming is a hundred, I mm. believe. You can buy a hundred streams, put it up and let your family listen to it. And after you go through the uh, 100 streams or a year later, it's a year term for the streams. Then you can go back if you, if it's, you know, and you can't put it up on YouTube that way. Just FYI, there's a whole, how to, we did a whole podcast on how to do covers. No, you know, go look, listen to that one. And uh, if you're interested in putting up a video with the, the cover song on it, there's some additional information you need for that. So, but if it's something physical and that, I shouldn't say physical, if it's something where somebody is getting it and putting it on something. So if you're putting it on your computer, if you're downloading it onto an iPod, your iPod, your phone, or you're buying a physical copy, an LP, a CD, it's 9.1 cents. That's the standard rate. There's, that's the standard bottom rate. Record companies can negotiate around that, which is what we're going to get into here soon. Okay. So, um, so that's the, the uh, regular rate. So if you're signing a record contract, there's something that I hadn't ever really paid attention to. And I've saw it twice in one week on different uh, blogs. So I started paying attention to it and I'm going to tell you about it. It's called controlled composition clause. If you are signing a recording contract, and you see controlled composition clause, please pay very close attention to it. Because that 9.1 cents, here's where that's gonna get adjusted. They will often stipulate that they will not pay the standard mechanical royalty on an LP. That if it's 10 songs, it would be 91 cents. If you have 15 songs, you know, on a standard rate, it would, that would cost the record company, you know, a buck 30, whatever it is. So record companies have this controlled uh, composition clause that means that they will only pay, sometimes, not always, but sometimes they will only pay three quarters of the minimum statutory mechanical rate. That's the base 9.1 cents. They're saying, if you sign this contract with us, you are giving up your 9.1 cent right that the government gives you, you're entering into this contract of your own free will, and you are accepting 75% of the statutory rate. You can do for, that, and that's fine. For all songs that you record? Yes, okay. but it gets even more complicated because okay. they're going to base that. An LP is 10 songs. That's the standard. What mm -hmm. people say LP, that's the standard. EP is six songs or less, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. I believe so so um, they're going to base that on the 10 songs. So they're going to do the math, and it's going to come out to four these royalties we're going to pay you a total on the record, a total out of 68.25 cents. That's three quarters of 10 songs at 9.1 cents. Mm. Not bad still if you're a new you know, artist 
and you're just excited to get a contract. Why, why is that clause there? To save them money. Okay. Because of a lot of things. Um, they don't want to have to pay you, you know, they're trying to pinch pennies in everywhere they can. And okay. I'm, I'm assuming there's a couple of reasons this came about. One, because they could, because if people are desperate for a recording contract and they used to be, they're not so much anymore. Right. Um, it might be partly the value of things has gone down. The value of physical things has gone down. Mm. Also, there's some records that have a lot more songs on them. Right. Now, here's where it gets a little funky. So say you have an album with 12 songs on it instead of 10. You're not going to get 6.8 cents per song, which is, you know, 68.25, which was their cap divided by 10 songs. It's going to be divided by 12. So you're going to get less than 6 cents per song. Now, that's if you're the songwriter of every single song on the album. And you don't have any co-writers who demand to get paid their full percentage of the statutory rate. So let's say there's 12 songs instead because of 10. Because a, so a co-writer would not have signed this artist agreement right. with that you signed. Right. So they are still... There might be a stipulation in there that if you oh. have a co-writer <clears throat> with you, yeah. you have to have them agree to this. Got it. Co-writer. But let's say... Okay. So let's say <clears throat> you reduce... I'm sorry for, for keep coughing in the microphone. I am in California and... I haven't been outside for more than two minutes in like two weeks because of the smoke. There are fires. It's so bad. It's so Everywhere. bad. I can hardly breathe. I'm sorry. Uh -huh. So let's say there's 12 songs, but you have outside writers. Okay. So these outside writers write six of the songs. Those outside writers are not going to agree and are not held to this contract. Right. So if six of the 12 songs are outside writers, you may end up with only two pennies per song of your mechanical royalties, not the 9.1 cent, right? Hmm. Now it can get even worse. <laughs> Let's say you're not the best songwriter in the world or the record company doesn't want you as a new artist to write all the songs because you haven't proven yourself yet. They want to get some big boys to write the couple of hits that they think is really going to work. So what do they do? They, they allow you to write four of the songs and there's 12 songs on the album. So you have eight songwriters out there writing for you that's going to be on the album. You're very excited. It's great. Well, the outside publishers are entitled to 72 cents on the statutory rate, but you have agreed in your contract to 68.25 cents. So now every time they sell a record or sell a CD or somebody downloads the album on Apple Music, you owe the record company money. Ah. <laughs> now, I'm just going to kind of let that sit there for a second with you. There is a situation, if you have more than 10 songs, you are not the writer of all of those songs or the majority of those songs. Somebody else is the majority writer that you will, every time a record is sold, owe the record company more money on your publishing. So there you We're go. We're sitting there. We're sitting Starts here. just like, a la, a la, what? <laughs> oh. So. Yeah, so there you go. So look out for this clause. It's called the controlled composition clause. It's just this controlled composition clause. I'm, I'm basing on what it's called. Is this only seen in record deals or other? As far as I know, because they're controlling the compositions, the composition. right? Because they're controlling okay. the record, the Okay. So they're in control of it. I'm assuming that's where that's coming from. Okay. And all, you know, if there's outside writers on a record, 
do they give the publishing to the record company? Probably depends on the, probably depends on the, who the songwriter is. Hmm. You know, if it's a big songwriter, the, the uh, record company is going to negotiate that with them, I guess. Right. But again, that's going to go against your, you know, either way, it's going to go against your money. And right. you know, again, I'm basically saying your money. It's not your money. <laughs> it's, it hasn't been your money yet. <laughs> you still don't have any money. You have a nice record. It's a loan, it's a loan so far. It's a loan. But you're working towards, and it's not necessarily a bad thing to sign a recording contract. Right. It's not. You no. want to focus on these things that I'm telling you about and the terms. Do not get into a really long-term contract. Okay? Just try to avoid it. I would not want anybody to sign more than a five-year, three-album, two-extension, two-option one at this point in the world. I, I would be, like, very, very cautious if it's that long. Yeah. Because uh, record companies... The problem is if, if you get into a situation where the record company owns you, they don't fulfill their duties, and you just kind of are sitting there spinning your wheels because they've lost attention on you. And they're focused on the new person that just walked through the door and you're sitting there in contract and you can't do anything. That's, that's the horror story. If they're at least letting you write and record, you know, they're not going to, if, if you end up at the end of your record contract and you haven't recouped your money, they're not going to come after you and take your house for the $20,000 that you owe them, you know, in quotes, that's not how that works. But the big problem with a long-term contract is, are they going to fulfill their requirements? So if you can get language in there, about that, and I um, am talking, I'm gonna skip down to the reversion clause. This could be married to the reversion clause. If you sign a recording contract, please, please, please try to get a reversion clause in there. Basically, it, it can cover a few things. If they, uh, it can cover you getting your songwriting and your publishing back. It can actually even, depending on the record company and how well you do, there can be issues where you might even get the master recording back because you did pay for it, hmm. see? You did end up paying for it if it sold and you recouped. That was your money. So people think I'm never going to get the master recording back. You're probably not, but you can certainly try. You can certainly try. They're going to try to keep all your publishing, but look for reversion clause and reversion language. The other thing you want to look for in the reversion clause is if you go to, with a record company, you sign a five-year deal, three records. You record the first record and they're not feeling it. And they don't think, you know, they just, and they put it on the shelf. There's a lot of people this used to happen to. They would get shelved. They had 10 songs. They wrote themselves. It was probably, you know, your first album's going to be your, some of your most intimate stuff because you spent five years working on all those songs or 10 years, you know, working on your best songs and you put those in and that's your heart. And then this record company records it and they don't even want to release it. That does happen. I can't imagine in this day and age why that would, but I'm sure it still does. Make sure there's a clause in there, language that states, if they do not release it in a certain period of time, that you can get that back. That you can at least get the compositions and the publishing back. Try at for least that. have the right to re-record those. Right, because what you don't want is them to have your, your, your uh, publishing and be in control of the publishing, own the master recordings and just shelve it and then you can't go re-record those songs I mean, there's a lot of people that are in that situation right now. There's some, you know, I've heard of some big artists that are in that kind of situation. There was a, there was a Bob Dylan record that they released really weird when the uh, Sonny Bono law came out that I spoke of earlier where you can get, uh, get your publishing back after 35 years. There was some Bob Dylan stuff that hadn't been released and they released like, you know, a few, re a few records. 
Mm. <laughs> it was That's like, sure. yeah, yeah, just to like, yeah. because it has to do with the release date and stuff, you know, right. slimy things that record companies sometimes do. <laughs> the other thing you want to look for in a reversion clause is things like what happens if the company goes bankrupt? If the company goes bankrupt, you want to be the, the first right to get your stuff back, to get your master recording back, to get the publishing back. You might have to be, you know, they might say that you have to buy it in the, you know, through the process or whatever, but you want to be named as if the company does go under and go bank, goes bankrupt, you want to be able to get your publishing, your masters possibly, and buy them back. The other thing is what happens if the company sells? That's something you're not going to really be able to stop. It happens constantly. Publishing is moving hands constantly because it's the real estate of music. It is the thing that has the value. You want to talk can to I just that, say Dawn? we're not talking about publishing deals today, but if you go into one, please understand that before you sign that and re have somebody explain to you <laughs> that if you are selling this to one company, all yeah, across the board, they're going to be able to transfer that to another company. And there's there's going to be language in there that says that right. that says that. So as a writer, please understand that and know that, and don't bitch about it later. <laughs> you can't get it back, <laughs> or it went somewhere and you're upset. I mean, I'm just I saying. I sold it to a friend of mine, and then he sold it to Sony, and now right. I want it back. He said I could have it back it's, in ten it's years. Kind of like you keep mm -hmm. mentioning real estate, and maybe I'm not right about this, but say you have a house and you sell it to somebody or lease it or whatever for a, you have a mobile home. Okay. Drive away and put it on somebody else's land. Right. You can't go back later and say, Basically, hey. the, the reason people are paying money for publishing and paying out for publishing deals, record deals, it's publishing. Publishing's the thing. Publishing's the thing. It used to be, you know, publishing was always important, but you used to have other way avenues to get money. You used to have a lot of other ways to make money as a record company, as a songwriter, as a recording artist. You had a different avenues. A lot of those have just shut down. A lot of those are just gone, especially in the time we're in. You can't, you know, there's, there's, Fleetwood Mac is not out touring or they weren't before the thing that shall not be named happened because they got to make money because nobody, they're selling, you know, they're one of the top selling artists still, I'm sure. Um, classic music outsells new music because it's been that long being recorded. So, um, but they have to go out there and make money and they have to tour. That's why all these old bands are coming back and touring still, you know, the go-go's are back together. Why? They need some dough, man, because they <laughs> thought that people were going to keep buying the record and they just didn't. So, you know, good for them. Go as long as you can, girls. But, you know, it's yeah. not as easy when you're 60 years old. But know that the publishing that is valuable and that is not something that somebody's just going to say like oh well i like that guy i'm going to just put that over here they are collecting and this is there are there's a company out there that is making tranches it's that's that's that word just scares the credit out of me if you haven't seen um the big what is it called don that movie about the 2008 collapse the bat. oh shoot i hate it when my brain so it's the movie it's the movie um about everything that happened in the 2008 collapse of the, of the housing market. And what they would do is they would put, you know, crappy housing together with good housing and they would put it all together in a big giant thing and then they would sell it to people. And eventually that got out of control and 2008 crashed. They are now, there's companies that are now investing in publishing 
they are selling basically stock shares in publishing companies. So they are collecting publishing as if it is that real estate. It scares me because of a lot of things, but I want you to understand how valuable publishing is. Okay. Publishing is incredibly valuable and you need to understand that. So if somebody has something that is incredibly valued that they have spent years collecting or gathering or from their, you know, relationships gotten all this stuff, they don't have to just hold on to it. As the value goes up, there's a reason we all work, you know, and try to get things and do things. And it's, you know, you want the value of it to go up, whatever it is you're making or doing. So publishing is the same way. And the more that you have put together in a bundle, the more valuable it is because there's a bigger chance. That's what record companies used to do. They used to sign like a bunch of artists and that's where that reversion clause would come in. They would sign a bunch of artists hoping that a couple of them would hit because you only need a couple to pay for all of, you know, the other thing. It's kind of like the Netflix model right now. Netflix throws billions of dollars at new content so that they can get, you know, uh, Stranger Things, which every other studio bailed on and said, no, I don't want that. And Netflix did it and they made a lot of money. They put a lot of junk out there as well. So, you know, they don't always make money with it, but that's what people who are doing publishing, they're gathering a lot of uh, something, you know, that, that is an entity to them and they are packaging it together and then they're going to go sell it if they can. That's mm -hmm. how they, that's how they make money. So, you know, I'm sorry, but business is in music business for a reason and you're in it, I'm sorry. But you know, you can go sit on top of a mountain and play guitar if you want to, just bring yourself a lot of food because you know, nobody's <laughs> gonna be throwing it at you, I don't think. Okay, so cynical me, sorry. Or a fishing pole. Huh? <laughs> or a fishing pole. Yeah, yeah, learn how to fish, there you go. Okay, one thing I missed going through there is warranties, represent, representation, and covenants. Pretty much in every contract, this guarantees you promise certain things. A code of conduct might be in there, that you are warranting that you have the ability and the right to enter into this contract, meaning you're not in another contract that precludes you from entering into this one. So you're not already signed to a publishing deal and trying to get a record deal where they take your publishing. So this is basically indemnifying them, taking the, the weight off of their should have, you know, they should have known that you couldn't sign this contract. It's putting it all back on you. Hmm. So it's, you know, um, and then video clause you didn't speak about. but Video clause. So again, uh, video clause may be in there and that's to um, either use you in videos for marketing or to actually make a music video, something like that. And again, those costs for a music video will be recoupable against your, your stuff. Okay. Mm -hmm. So um, those are basically the recording contract terms. Let's go over some other terms that we didn't really go over. Um, and these are going to be in more things more like a sync contract, or if you're signing up with a publishing deal or sync library, or some of these production music in, library, production music library, yeah, things like that. Exclusive versus non-exclusive. So basically, if if it's exclusive, and it's a publishing library, or you know, they're hopefully if you're exclusive at a publishing deal, you're they're paying you some money up front. Mm -hmm. If it's a sync library. Be very cautious of exclusive deals. How do you feel about that, Don? Um, in a library, there's there's many many contracts you'll see for syncing. There's also sync agents. Um, so in a library exclusive, be be sure you're getting paid money up front, like you just said. Up front. Right. If you're exclusive, if it's if not exclusive, they're paying you for the song. If you write a song, they're going to give you money for the song. Right. And then a non-exclusive, um, 
you know, these terms, you're just really going to have to do your homework about who's working for you because a sync agent may agree to a non-exclusive or even a library, but there's going to be reasons for that. And there's also reasons for being exclusive. Just let me explain quickly what I'm saying. Um, you don't, in syncing, in the sync world, you don't want your, your content in several libraries because the music supervisors and they're not going to want this coming at them from all different they ways. They might get pitched the same song from three different people. Right. So it's in your best interest to make sure that, yeah, you probably are going to be exclusive with somebody. Um, Non-exclusive could also be in your favor where you are allowed to go use your music somewhere instead of being just exclusive with this library. And that's going to be rare, but many times they might do that because you're an artist. Um, they may want to allow you to go put your music up where you need to put it. So exclusive and non-exclusive, you could probably do a whole podcast on all the different scenarios of exclusive and non-exclusive, but those are just some of them. Did I explain yeah, so that? It very, well, it very much depends on what you're doing. Right. It does. Right. So, and, and who you're working with. Again, if you do an exclusive deal, make sure it's not this next word I'm going to say perpetual. In fact, if it says perpetual, tear it up and walk away. Tear it up and just walk away. Perpetual means forever and you don't want anybody dealing with your music forever. So I would say, and so if it's an exclusive deal and it's a long-term deal, and it's a company that you're not sure is going to produce for you, that's where you, you know, want to start negotiating. Like, maybe I want to do it with you for two years, not five. That would, would perpetual only be for work for hires? Or would it um, not even be there? It's in the contract that, that I'm going to go over in a minute. It is, okay. Uh-huh, it is. All right. It was the first thing that made my, uh, the hair on the back of my head stand up, and then I was pacing the floor screaming, so... Okay, so let's go over a few more turns. Then I'm going to go over a okay, contract okay. without saying who it is and say, holy crap on a cracker. What the heck do you people want? Okay, so. And, yeah, when we get there, Beth, remind me to tell you that that's why sync agents and people that are advocating have sync agents have come up more. Yep. Yes. Yep. Okay. okay. So okay. another thing you're going to see in a lot of contracts is all territories. Some people will say the world. Some people, you know, my contracts, I say the universe. Just because, you know somebody's headed to Mars, I don't want them playing my music for free, right? <laughs> That's going to happen. So anyways, I just, you know, it doesn't hurt to say the universe. A lot of them will say the world. And that's just, that's just standard. Because, yeah. um, you know, we are in a very small world. It's huge. There's a lot of people in it, but digital has shrunk it. And um, you will be getting paid from hundreds of different places if you start getting your music placed in different things. So don't worry about that. Um, media known and unknown. That is basically because, I mean. That's come up in the past 10 to 15 years probably. Because, yeah, because, you know, videotapes, CDs, Blu-ray, digital, thumb drives, streaming. You know, there's scientists, and I saw some of this coming when, you know, I was a teenager. I read a lot of geeky, you know, nerdy magazines about tech. So I, I knew some of it. I knew my phone was going to be my computer. It took a little mm. longer than I wanted, but, you know, I, I knew that. But I don't know what's coming now. Now we've hit the end of my, I don't know what's coming now. And I've, I've told people on this podcast, if you know what's coming next, can you let me know so I can invest in it? Because... <laughs> 
Yeah, because something's coming. I mean, you think streaming's the end of it, right? Like, that's going to be the last thing. And it's like, holy crap, I can't even imagine. I can't. That's why I'm not rich, because I can't imagine. <laughs> I'm not that kind of a nerd. So, um, media known and unknown. Don't worry about that. That just means if, if you sign a contract for, say, a record deal, and they want to use media known and unknown, it just means in the future, we can put it on a thumb drive if that's how people are buying their music. We can or, sell it Or digitally. a sync contract because or you want, if you're getting your music placed on a television show and it, you want that to follow, you don't want them to have to pull your music out. Well, Don, Don's band, uh, Almost Ugly, got a song put on Tom Hanks' Kid. What was that show that he was in? Well, I didn't know that, but Roswell? <laughs> was it? Was it no, uh, uh, Roswell. No, no. You got put on the DVD. Uh, yes, we did. I can't because even I can't remember that show he was on. It was like in the late 90s. Okay, sorry. We're old. We know stuff, but we can't get the words. <laughs> so you just have to bear with us and laugh at us. Our children laugh at us. You can laugh at us as well. Okay, so they... My song was on there and I can't remember the name. I can't even remember. I remember more very, about God's life than she does. It scares her sometimes because I can make stuff up. I don't, but I can. Okay, so... That show had a song in it that they had not made a deal for releasing that TV show on a DVD. Because who's going to release it on a DVD, right? You put it back in the day, back when we were kids and in our 20s, you would have reruns. So that was covered, right? Yeah. And then DVDs come out and DVDs start to get cheap and they start to get cheaper. And all of a sudden they want to put out full seasons and full you know, entire shows, you know, 10 seasons of a show on a DVD and people will buy it back in the early 2000s. I did. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got a few of those. I got Northern Exposure somewhere. So um, when they went to make the DVD, they did not have the license for that to be on the DVD. So they would have had to pay more money. And it was a, probably a bigger song that they thought was going to get used on the show and then repeated on some reruns the artist did not want that song on the DVD. Understandable, they didn't, weren't gonna pay them enough money, so they went and found other music. That's what's happening in the early 2000s. That doesn't happen anymore because they say media now known and unknown. Right. Because in these contracts, in your sync contract, it's going to say that. That is okay, don't, don't get uppity about it because it's gonna get you more back-end royalties. Sure. You want your show playing in Spain and England and you know wherever because it's still a sink and it's still going to pay a few pennies and a few pennies yeah. from a hundred and some countries starts to add up. Right? Yes. Don't shake your head. I got it right. I got it right. <laughs> okay. So back to sync libraries. I, I'm going to go over a contract. I'm not going to say the name of the contract it was one that um, I have looked at that um, I was asked to look at by a songwriter and you know, should I sign this? It's with the sync library 2012. Okay. Here's some of the terms and go perpetual no mm -mm. with a sync library perpetual i don't want to sign up for somebody that's going to forever and ever own my song and they do own it because that we're starting to get into the weeds of what this contract did did and it's pretty bad okay so that's the first red flag to me perpetual it has to be a really smoking deal for me to be on perpetual contract for songs and they had better be giving me a check up front that's what i'm saying yeah Second thing, retitling. Now, this used to be a natural thing back in the early 2000s before that. Don and I had a music library and we would retitle when we got a placement. We did that for a very specific purpose. We were collecting part of the back end. 
we were collecting part of the publishing as payment. We were collecting part of the front end and part of the back end. So we would retitle the song so that if, uh, let's say her son, let's use Chris Ryan as an example. He comes to us, says, can you place this song? We get it placed on Good Morning America. We retitle the song. We only get paid for that placement on Good Morning America. If Chris goes along and he goes with another library or he records that song and it becomes a huge song, we will not get paid as 50% publisher for that song on everything he does with it in the future. Right. It was mostly to protect the artist and we wanted them to go off and be able to do whatever they wanted with that song without us getting payment for that because we were not their record company. We were not doing these things for them. We were simply trying to get syncs for them. And right. And we were getting syncs that were a little bit lower fees on smaller right. shows. So the upfront wasn't paying enough. So we would get 50% of the publishing, the back end for these small placements. Right. And that way we could afford to do it. They would get some money and we wanted to very carefully make sure we were not going to collect the wrong thing. Yeah. So that's why we were retitling. That has kind of gone the way of the dodo for the most part, I think. Pretty much. Um, think. A lot of libraries don't like to do it. And I think a lot of, uh, a lot of shows and things don't like retitled. Yes. Stuff. So, um, but this contract from 2012 still had that in there, which was another like, mm, okay, interesting. Publisher share. Publisher share, the, li the library may take it all. This one demanded that they not only have all of the publishing for the placements that they got, but that they will be listed as 25% shareholder. Now, mind you, they've retitled the song. They wanted 25% of the original composition that was listed with the PRO. Mm. This was perpetual. This was forever. This was we want 25% of your song that we're not placing, we're not shopping. I mean, they're going to place the version of the, of the song they retitled, but the, the, the original song that they were saying they were letting the artist Of keep. the original song, they yeah. wanted 25% of it. Now imagine if that song got picked up by another, because this is a perpetual contract, they forever and ever have the retitled version, which means if you want to go with a different library who wants you exclusively, you can't use that song. Mm. If they, if After this, your contract, right. This contract goes on forever. Oh, this one does. Okay. Yep. So this precludes you from using that song in anything else. Yeah. Right. The retitled song, basically because not because you can't go get another placement, but because a lot of the other libraries and sync agents are going to want to be hands off. Seems like these libraries like this that you're pointing out might actually be doubling as publishers is what they were going for. Well, you know, yeah, I know. Yeah. Kind that of. That yeah. Would, that would be they're, they're in perpetuity and most publishers are not. So. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if that legally would be double dipping. Double dipping uh -huh. is when you yeah. do two sides of something with a recording artist or a, a not just recording artist, but anybody in the creative fields, and it's illegal in California. It's right, illegal. right. It's, you can't be a manager and you know somebody's lawyer. You can't. It's it, there's yeah. some laws that protect you. <laughs> I'm sorry, I interrupted you, but you were saying nope, nope. That's fine. Any terms we throw out there is good information. So yeah. Um. Okay, so this, let me see. I, you were I, saying be careful of this kind of language. Right, because imagine, imagine this, uh, this company. So they want you to be perpetually with them. They want you to retitle for their placements, 
and they get all the publishing on that side. But on the non, you know, your original one that shares the original title that you've got with your PRO, they are collecting 25% of that. And imagine, this is a big, this was a big library. This was a huge library. If this was the standard contract that they sent out, holy crud. Because <laughs> if they signed this, imagine they signed this with a thousand different artists and they got 20 songs on, from each of those artists. That's 20,000 20, songs. And imagine they actually didn't get any placements. 20,000 songs, 1,000 artists, some of those artists are gonna go on to do stuff and they're gonna get placements and they're gonna get record deals and they're gonna get whatever. And this company now has 25% of mm. all of those songs that they did nothing for. I'm fine with people who work their butts off to get a sync getting paid well, because they don't get paid enough. But this is really some scary stuff to me, okay? Um, so as I'm reading this contract, I'm waiting for like, okay, but you're gonna pay me a huge amount of upfront money, right? Because perpetual retitling, you want 25% of my original composition that has nothing to do with you. So you're gonna pay me, you know, $500 a song, $200 a song, when I play, put a song in your library, you're gonna give me some upfronts to guarantee to take those rights. Cause you're basically like Don said, you're becoming a publisher here. So mm. you're gonna give me some value for the value I'm giving you. None, zero, nothing, no upfront money. Okay, now there are some, there are some uh, places where you're gonna sell your song. You're gonna sell your publishing. You're gonna keep your writers, but you're gonna sell your song. They're gonna give you $150, $500, $750 for that song. And they're gonna own the publishing on it. That's one type of library, one type of uh, situation you might find yourself in. And then if that thing gets placed, you get the back end and they get some back end too. That's not a bad deal. If this place is actually working for you, you know, back end checks every three months, you know, a lot of people live on those mm -hmm. and you need to build up that library to do that. So that's not bad. If you're, if you're actually, if you're selling outright some of your publishing, you better get a check in advance. Right. Mm -hmm. So as I was looking, you know, I'm, I'm looking for the upfront. It's not there. Then I'm looking for like, okay, what happens when you do get a placement? Okay, so there, there's two things. There's upfront and backend. Backend is your royalties that comes from your PRO when something gets placed. And those come months and months and months later. The, the upfront is the fee that the uh, place that wants to use your song will pay you. They, you might even get some kind of upfront advance if, you know, from a record company if they want to put put your song on an album you know I don't really know how that works for songwriters anymore because it used to be publishing deals and things um but, but in, sync, in sync there's always an upfront always an upfront uh, well almost mm. always <laughs> well definitely in television well, in television there's you mean there's an upfront if somebody's going to put a song in a tv yes. show or film or something they are going to pay a fee upfront to yes. do that yes even if it's 200 to a thousand, some pay even more than that, but yes. Right. Be very careful though, how the sync agent or the music library, the sync library or whatever you're with pays you the upfront. How do they split it? Mm -hmm. Okay. That's the, the, the upfront is the amount paid to license the song to put it in the, the vehicle, whatever yes. that vehicle is. Beware of things when they're talking about backend and upfronts and things like that. In, if you're looking at a sync contract, be aware of things deducting fees or administrative charges before the split. Mm. So say there's a $200 upfront to place something. They may take 
15, 20%, and then split the rest. So they're taking a portion of the whole and then splitting with you um, afterwards. They're saying be aware of a, of a company listing that they're taking a percentage, right? Yes, you, look, look for the administrative charge. Yeah. They, they may or may not have them, just look for them. Right. And that's one of those things where a lot of these things that are, you know, I'm saying be cautious of, if you get one of these things, you know, again, perpetual, I would just say to somebody, I don't know why you want to do that. Go find another company. But if you, saw, if you find four or five things that are a little off to you, run away. Mm. Right. That's, it kind of is a, you know, it's exponential at that point. This contract basically says this, this contract from this, uh, company from 2012. It said they were going to take 15% off the top, but if the license was less than $150, then they're going to take the entire $150. So you got a company that is signing a bunch of people, not paying them anything up front. It's perpetual. They're retitling. They also get a portion of the original song. And if they get a sync for less than $150, they're keeping the $150. How many sinks do you think they're, how many placements do you think they're getting that are $150? Because how easy is that to do? Mm -hmm. They can, it's like make, talk about making it rain, right? You got all this money and you're going to make half of the back end. They can go to a company and offer them their music. License. Very things. low. Right. Right. Is what so, so that's, I'm just saying all of this is adding up. So when you're looking through a contract, just start highlighting things that you go, hmm. If it makes you, you know, or somebody you know that's reading it, if they're like, I'm not sure what that means. That's a little weird. Right. Just start can highlighting I, those. Can I also say, although we're getting to the end, and I'll say this at the end, but I do, I've been wanting to say that all of these terms and, and things that Beth is giving you, if you would like to take one of our classes in the future, we are going to really go over these. And it will be based on what you are doing. So your contract, we're going to be able to take that and go over that in a class and really figure out some things. Or you can get consulting for that, as Beth mentioned earlier. But And we can give you um, a list of these terms if you take our class, you know, that you'll have to go and look at. So I just wanted to interject that, that yeah. um, we're working on a class about how you can get paid. And this will probably be one of the things It'll that will be included in there, yeah. yeah. Um, so just go ahead, make sure somebody, if you, if you are not, you know, if you didn't take contracts and business in college or, you know, I didn't, but I've been doing this for 30 some years. I'm looking at contracts. So I kind of know what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been on the other end of things where I'm like, oh, crud. Yeah. I didn't read that that way mm. that you learn lessons. So make sure you get somebody who can understand these terms for you. Um, even if it's just a friend, don't sign anything without anybody else reading it. Never do that. I don't even, I don't care what it's for. I don't care if it's for a waterbed. Don't do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Have somebody else look at it too. Um, we're all so used to like terms of service and nowadays, you know, we just click it without even, without even doing anything. But if it's, if it's any one of these contracts, definitely find some other musician friends that you know, or somebody that's done this. You can hire somebody like Don and I, like she said, um, to go over this for you. And it's definitely cheaper than an attorney. We are not even, attorneys. Even for just an hour or two. Yeah. Right. And I can just read a contract and highlight some things that go, this is what is kind of making me go, what, what? Have an attorney look at that. You know, if it's right. a, if it's a recording contract, there is absolutely no reason you should not have an attorney. Yes. You, you don't sign a recording contract without having an attorney look at it. Right. 
you don't do that. So sync contracts and things like that, you might not have to have an attorney look at it, but have somebody, if it's not us, have somebody else do it, who knows what they're doing, who's been in this business for a while. Right. You want to, you know, you want to definitely protect yourself and don't be too happy that somebody's just wanting to use your music. Right. Don't get it, don't get the cart in front of the horse. Your last thing right see there, Beth, was assignment. We didn't really mention assignment. So so in this specific contract, yeah. Depend, yeah. In this in this contract uh, for the sync contract or the library rather, sync library, um, they could make assignments. So they can make deals with other entities, including different countries, which is not a huge deal but they can also assign deals between the two of you and a third party. So you just need to understand, and that would be good to have maybe some clarifying language in there of what they mean, because assignment's gonna need to be in there because of the publishing issue and different PROs and different countries' laws. There's going to have to be some back and forth with the company you're signing with if this is going around the world. They're just need that needs to happen because otherwise it puts too many stops in the process and then they can't go forward and they don't want to deal with it. So there are going to be some assignments made. You just want to make sure what those are that they're for the, the standard, you know, order of business so that they can get the, the things placed or, you know, they can sell records in another country and it's not where they can take the entire contract and give to somebody else. Make sure you know that in advance. Mm -hmm. Because they, you know, they might be able to do that. They might be able to sell your recording contract. They might be able to sell your publishing. So understand what they're um, allowed to do with those assignments. Yeah. And that not, is not easy to understand necessarily. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Anything else that I missed on? Feels like I've been talking forever. Yeah, yeah this has been a lot, but. And I will try to put, I will try to put some of these terms in the, in the YouTube, if I remember, like mm -hmm. where. In the where in the video it is so that you can just jump to something and right you know i was keeping some notes so we'll we'll okay. figure that out beth i um, just start talking <laughs> yeah so wow there's a lot there to learn and pay attention to um as beth said maybe she'll put some of those terms in the description just so as you're going and taking notes you can make sure you wrote those all down um I did tell you about our classes, but there's so much going on at A Matter of Music right now. We actually have a Facebook group if you'd like to go join that. It's a private group, but we'd love to have you there. We're talking about a lot of these terms. Um, go to amatteromusic.com and you'll find things. We're, we have classes coming up on sync. And as we just said, finding your money, making sure you're in all the right places. We have a podcast on that as well, Finding Your Money. Please go listen to that if you're interested. We and we just kind of did the overview of it. But in the class, we will go into depth into making sure that you understand all of the different royalty streams, because there are many, and they're ever increasing. There's, there's different licenses, but then those licenses split off. And there's a right. lot of places you need to go to collect your money. 50% of royalties are never collected. Right. So we want to make sure that doesn't happen to you. And we're, we're keeping our classes small so that before you even take the class, we're probably going to send you, you know, a little questionnaire, ask you what you've been doing with your music so that we kind of know your needs and what you're going to be having to look out we for. Want, we want to tailor it to uh, the students. So. Right. So those will be very helpful to you coming up in the next few months. Um, but um, what else do we have, Beth? Like, like 
subscribe, subscribe. Here, please. <laughs> we keep like subscribe uh -huh. everybody always says doing that. that more these days i know i used to ignore people and now i'm subscribing <laughs> to people because it does definitely help us it's yes. uh it's if we you'd just like, start this and we on just our website if you've enjoyed this today go to our website and go send us a message and tell us why we'd appreciate knowing or something else you need um to go over in the future but we'd love to hear from you as well so I think that is pretty much the end of today. We hope that your head isn't spinning too much. I've learned a lot and I, Beth's my sister. So <laughs> um, thank you for tuning in to A Matter of Music. We appreciate you being here. Please subscribe and we'll see you next time.